Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. You're about to hear a favorite from the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze archive. This show originally aired in 2017. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're going to talk with you about our stuffed burger ideas. We have lots of them. We want to talk about special hot dogs and what to do with those hot dog rolls that make your hot dogs sensational. Shrimp rolls, we want to tell you about what appetizers would be fun, what to drink. Rosé goes with everything. My BLT (laughs) potato salad. A burger, a stuffed burger I made up I can't wait to tell you about. Okay, my treasured food buddies are here. Senior contributor Chris Brosberry and our senior producer, Sir Robin Doyon Aiken. Hey, hey everybody. Hey, Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. It's time for the shopping and the getting. And the fireworks. And the fireworks. <laughs> I know that is my favorite thing. Oh. Although I keep promising I'm gonna go to Canada. We think that Boston is the most spectacular. Mm-hmm. In Canada, they have a kind of Olympics of fireworks. It's a world competition. People come from all over the world to compete. And these are fireworks like you have never seen in your life, I'm told. no idea. So we have to all do that. Fuchimu's road trip, another one. Okay. (laughs) Can we get right to the stuffed burgers? Because these are so much fun. Chris, what's your idea for this 4th of July? You know, there's so many. I'm a straight up caramelize some onions. I like this first. already. Yeah, I caramelize some <laughs> onions first, and then I take some bacon and I crisp it up, and then I fold that into my hamburger meat with no. a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, and that's my stuffed burger. I'm oh. just, oh. right, but Can we talk okay. about, just tell me your technique for getting it into the burger. So when you say I fold it into my burger, <laughs> logistics, yeah. exactly. All right. so yes, do do it? one of the methods, and I don't do this with this burger, but I do this with other things, is you take your hamburger and put it on a, a cutting board or a piece of plastic on top of a cutting board and really make it nice and thin. So press it till it's about a half an inch. It's sitting on a piece of plastic. Yeah, but make it twice the size as you would a regular burger, about a half an inch. And then you take your filling and you put it in one big clump in the middle of that and you fold it over so it literally is stuffed in the middle. That's one way So it looks like a taco shell? Yes, but you can then make it into a nice round hamburger, but it's filled in the middle. With my hamburger and caramelized onion, I like to mix it all in. Does that make sense? So it's not like a pocket in the Mm. middle. It's actually mixed throughout the hamburger. Oh, meatloaf style. So meatloaf style. Oh, I like that. But either way, you can do it. Okay, so that comes to a burger that I want to try, and I'm just going to make it up on the spot. Ground turkey, chorizo, Okay. And mix those two together. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. because turkey, ground turkey needs a lot of help. Yeah. So that's good right there. Then I'm going to toast fennel seeds. Nice. And I'm going to sprinkle those into the meat also. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to roast some fennel with a little olive oil, then chop it up 
and mix that meatloaf style into the meat, too. That sounds so so good. Because that turkey can dry out. Yeah, but the chorizo Mm -hmm. will keep it right on. The chorizo a little bit. So I'm going to mix it all together like that and then on the buns. So it's going to be a turkey chorizo fennel burger. I like Mm. that one. And with the toasted seeds in there, you're going to get a little bit of crunch inside. I had been thinking maybe I'll just toast the seeds and then coat the outside of the burger with the fennel seeds, but I'm a little I afraid like, of yeah, on bur- the grill. Yeah, I like they mixing might burn. it in. Okay. I'm just, yeah, making it up. And that's the thing about stuffed yeah. burgers that you can do. All right, mm-hmm. Robin, what, what's your favorite? I love the classic gorgonzola stuffed burger. Nice. It's You think of it as something that you would get in the restaurant, yeah. but this is one that you can actually make at home, not intimidating at all. And do you mix it in with the meat, or do you do that thing where you make the burger the way Chris said, put the gorgonzola in the center? I like to put it in the center because I love that surprise bite. You get a little bit as you're making your way around the burger. So that's my good. So Mm -hmm. so I got a method, and I'm not a big fan, but I do own one of these. It's called a burger press. Have you ever seen it? It's a little plastic round disc, and it's to make a formed burger. But to make what (laughs) is called the perfect stuffed burger, you start with that bottom part that's the hollowed out, you know, the cup-looking thing. And you take about three quarters, maybe a little bit less of your hamburger meat that you're going to put in one hamburger, and you press it in the bottom and around the sides like you're making a pie. Uh-huh. With your hamburger. Okay. Then you would take a nice, your gorgonzola, your crumbled gorgonzola, and you would line it right down the middle. So you'd have this layer of gorgonzola, and then you could do something else mm-hmm. too, or just do gorgonzola. And then you take the last quarter or third of your hamburger and put it on top, and then you do a little press with the top. Then it's not like a pocket, as it is just a full layer of gorgonzola in the middle. It's, it's like the a one, burger it's, sandwich. It's the reason, it's a yeah, double decker. It's, it's the reason I bought <laughs> yeah. the burger press. And then think about it. You could take slices of bacon. Well, I decided right? my burger needs some of those caramelized onions you were talking oh, about yeah. earlier. Oh, That's wouldn't that what, be good yeah. with your gorgonzola? Mm-hmm. That needs to be on top. That's mm-hmm. what makes it a kind of restaurant-style burger. Yeah. For people who are trying to get more vegetables into their mm-hmm. meals or use a little bit less meat, We see so many companies now coming out with their Superior Burger in New York City and lots of others where they have worked, scientists are working on creating a burger that is either half meat or no meat, but actually bleeds the way a burger yeah. does when you you know when you chew you're using beet juice to create that texture is still not quite right but they're working on it. I'm just thinking now this calls for improvisation. What could we do if you want to use half the meat and get more vegetables in mm-hmm. and maybe not even mention it to anybody? What would you do? Well, Chris, mushrooms for sure, right? Because they're the meatiest vegetable good growing. Idea. Very good idea. Yeah. I am totally into the 50-50 burger. And that's 50% burger meat and 50% vegetables. What vegetables would it, come to mind and how are right, you treating so them? So I treat my vegetables just like I treat my beef. I grind it. But if you don't have a grinder, let's just pick some vegetables that I think would go together. Let's do red pepper, onion, and some mushrooms. Take those ingredients and I would put them in the grinder and grind it with the meat. The if food I was processor? Doing fresh. Or if you don't have a grinder, use a food processor. So you have your hamburger already ground. So if you bought store-bought ground beef, right, take uh, 50% of that. And then you take 50% of vegetables that you put in the food processor and just chop, chop, chop up until it's nice and fine. And then you just fold it together. They're not cooked. You just not leave cooked, them uncooked. Raw. Mm-hmm. Yes, raw vegetables. I've done carrots. I've done celery. 
I've done zucchini, I've done beets. It doesn't even matter, especially if you have a little hand grinder or a grinder you can attach to your KitchenAid. Then you can just send your vegetables right through the grinder, right into the bowl with the ground beef and mix it right in. It's a great way to sneak your Mm -hmm. vegetables in if you have kids. And it's a great way to eat a really, really good burger. If you want to eat a big burger, but you're watching your weight or you don't want that much fat, you don't go to a 95% meat and 5% fat burger because those are really dry. Mm-hmm. You just get regular ground beef and you mix it 50% with vegetables and it's win-win. How about chickpeas? I mean, no, sure. it's not a vegetable, but... Black beans, yeah, chickpeas, yeah. grind or put in the food processor, mm-hmm. just about anything you can think of. Yeah, you're on your way to a vegetarian burger. Remember on the show years ago, we had a competition here and we all tried making vegetarian burgers to see if we could come up with a texture that was pleasing. And we used lots of techniques. We used nuts because they gave you that feeling of chew. We used uh, every kind of vegetable imaginable. I used an Indian masala sauce to flavor the chickpeas. It was really fun. That was fun. And and that's how I got to this. I got to this because every time I eat a good veggie burger, I keep thinking, you know what would make this a little better? Some ground beef. (laughs) Uh But but what is it it you're looking for with that ground beef? It's the flavor. It's not the chew because we've created – and especially yours because I remember yours had everything texturally that a hamburger has. It's just missing the meat. Uh-huh. It's like it's, the, it makes it's it that burger taste. essence. Yes, that taste. Like, and you don't need a lot of well, meat. Remember the guy who was on the show who was talking about chili with us? Yeah, mm-hmm. Rob Walsh. Rob yeah, Walsh. Sure. And he said that little trick where he said if you're making a vegetarian chili and you put – something yeasty in it, it tastes exactly like it has meat. Was he talking about Marmite, the jars of Marmite? Mm -hmm. Yep. So you put a little bit of some kind of yeast Mm -hmm. that's in a jar and Mm -hmm. into the meat or the vegetarian stew, and it somehow mimics the taste of beef. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we'll see. So we're celebrating the 4th of July here on the show. I'm with Robin Doyen Aiken, Chris Prosperi. How about drinks for the 4th of July? If you drink alcohol, I just really think that a very chilled rosé goes with everything. If mm-hmm. it's hamburgers, hot dogs, <laughs> potato salad, shrimp roll, I'm going to talk about in just a second. It just goes with everything. Agreed. Deviled yeah. eggs. And it's festive. It's festive. But mm-hmm. you know what? So pretty in the glass. But you know what I go to on the 4th of July? Is cold beer. Yeah, I knew Lo- you were going to say that. But you know what? There's so many now. Recently, I walked into a little bar kind of restaurant in Torrington, Connecticut, and I had happened into what they did was a tap takeover, and I was just blown out of the water. There were six or seven different Connecticut breweries. They took over all their taps, and you got to sample all this Connecticut beer, and I'm like, ah, and I ended up going to the package store a couple days later and picking up some of them. Yeah, it's really, really, we're made Connecticut beer. Made mm-hmm. such progress. Let's switch over to hot dogs. I'm really careful about hot dogs because that is where the mad cow stuff can really get involved. And so I try to pay really close attention about how hot dogs are made. Chris, your favorites, we've talked about this in the past. So many. I mean, where you trust how they're made. Yes, in Connecticut. So if you're going to 
worry about hot dogs and the stuff that's in it. Do what we do with a lot of our food is buy from a local guy, from a local company. And we have some of the best hot dogs, I think, in the country here in Connecticut. Right here in New Haven, we have Hummel. And they make probably my favorite hot dog on earth, which is their Big Red Hot, which is a oh. spicy hot dog. <laughs> oh, my God. You have to cut it in half. It could be for two people. Anyway, that's a great and hot dog. those Hummel, are fun. Hummel makes a regular one, too. Yeah, yeah they make the skinless, all natural, whatever. They have great hot dogs. And then in Hartford, we have Muckies. And Muckies, oh my God, those are my favorite grilling hot dog. Oh, they're flavor or snap? Snap. Oh my <laughs> God, they're the best on the grill. And then we have Groton Weagle, which is in Bloomfield, yeah. which we almost lost. That was saved. And now, oh my God, I love their hot dogs. I, I love hot dogs. So, yeah, when so I think about local, local food, I do not think about hot dogs. So I'm so glad that you're telling me oh that. My God. Oh, I have and, no idea. And then, in, and then you have these Polish uh, places in New Britain that make kielbasa. They're branching oh. out and making hot dogs. So really we literally have some of the best hot dogs on the planet here okay. in Connecticut. So here, Here's my thing about the hot dogs. I promise you, you will win five stars doing one thing in advance. And here's what it is. Get the flat-sided rolls. And if you can only find the round-side ones, cut them Mm -hmm. so that there's some part that's flat. But here's the trick. If you put them on the grill, you can't control them. You want to take Mm. the butter out ahead of time so the butter gets soft and it's room temperature. Before the guests arrive... I butter each side of the flat-sided roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's the New England style roll. That's the New England style roll. I haven't yep. even started cooking yet. Yeah, and yeah, I do yeah. this for any oh. kind of hot dog roll, shrimp, no matter lobster, whatever mm-hmm. it's in the- so butter both sides of it, put it into a saute pan. Oh, so you make like a grilled cheese kind of way out of it, right? No, I just brown That's what I meant. both like, sides yeah. oh my God. in the frying oh. pan where I can control it. Yep. It doesn't matter if they, in the end they're room temperature. Yeah, no. Then I put them on a tray. I bring them outside. I start cooking the, ham- the hot, dogs. Uh, hot dogs. And then I slip them into each one of these rolls. Well, the hot dog itself is hot. So, you know, no one's going, oh, my God, it's a cold roll. Oh, all they all. taste is that butter. Oh, the toasty. That yeah. buttery, toasty yeah. outside that is still crunchy. That's the secret to just killer oh, hot dogs. I am the hot dog king. It is my favorite, <laughs> literally my favorite food in the world. And when I do hot dogs at home, like Fourth of July kind of thing, I do a hot dog bar. So I'll get two or three different kinds of hot dogs, all, all local, all local hot dogs. So you can try. And like I said, the red hot is one of them I have to get. And then I get one of the muckies and one of the weagles. And then I grill them all. I'm going to do from now on what you do with the rolls because I usually try to get them on the grill and the smoke and the fire and the butters on. So I'm going to do that. But then I do a toppings bar. So I do some sauerkraut that I've heated up in the kitchen. I do a meat sauce, which is just ground mm-hmm. beef with some tomatoes and spices. And then I do a, a, a relish. Clothes. Oh, yeah. I do a couple different kinds of mustard, some ketchup. And then I have a raw onion and jalapenos. And I put all that stuff out. <gasps> I love this as And then idea. people just yeah. make tops their own hot dog and makes their own. And it's like going to a hot dog shack. Oh, I love that idea. Speaking of hot dog shacks, mm-hmm. I happen to live about one minute 
away from Blackie's Hot Dogs. Oh, I'm jealous. Which they are always on the list of the best hot dogs in the country. So one of my favorite things to do is go to Blackie's, get a box of like, you order just 10 hot dogs. They put them in a box with some bags of chips and we head over to the park. So Blackie's in Cheshire, right near the highway. It is a hot dog destination. They are And really simple. I mean, they're not fancy or anything. They're just... The ultimate hot dog. You know what? It's both hot dog and then some kind of seasoned grill. For instance, if I have a choice of how to do a hot dog, it really isn't on the grill outside. It's splitting it down the middle and pan frying it so that the butter caramelizes the inside as well as the outside. That's my idea of a hot dog. That's the best hot dog. It's done on a flat top. On a big flat top, they grill the hot dog on it, and then the buttered bun goes right next to it, and the onions go right next (laughs) to it. I need a big giant thing. Let's in go. Like <laughs> Blackies, here we go. Well, we just get a grill like that for indoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I need. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take um, a short break right here and then keep talking with you about 4th of July possibilities. Of course, you could use these ideas for any weeknight or weekend. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org. Where's your favorite hot dog place? We'll be right back. And when it's time to know, you just gotta ignite light and live. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2017. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans, Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Hey, do you want us to send the show to you so you can listen anytime you want? Really, it's called a podcast, uh, (laughs) technically, but that's really what it is. And if you would like that, just go to our site, foochmoose.org, and you'll see podcast sign up. And that's really how most people listen now, kind of on demand. So happy to do it. I am with my treasured food buddy for this segment, and that is wine broker Mark Raymond, who lives in Wethersfield, Connecticut. And he's got a wine that we've talked about on the show before, but we think is so perfect for this 4th of July celebration and really throughout the entire summer and winter, by the way, because we're drinking rosé now. This is a dry rosé, pink in the glass. This is the bargain of 
the century, and it is one of the best rosés I've ever had, and it's $10. $10. It's a Go great tell deal. Tell me, tell me. The name of the wine is Finca El Origen, Origin, and it's Rosé of Malbec. It's the 2016 vintage, fresh. Rosé of Malbec means Malbec grapes. Malbec grapes, yep, that they first press, and then they get very little skin contact, so you just get a little bit of that color from oh. the red grape. It bleeds into it, but it's light, light pink. In the glass, it is so gorgeous looking. You know, we love wines, and we try a millions of wines. So Absolutely. We're, we know, we, yeah. we like every kind of wine. It doesn't have to be fancy or fussy, or, but because we try so many, when we all look at each other, stop talking and say, oh my God, are you kidding me? I $10, know, and I this know. is one of the best rosés I've ever had. And I love for this time of year <laughs> when everybody's out there grilling, and you know, you don't want that heavy red, but you want something that has some weight to it. And that's what this rosé of Malbec richness. has. It has some richness, and it can stand up to beef and Hot pork and, and lamb on the grill and hamburgers. Grilled food. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Grilled chicken. Oh, and All like that This thing stuff. I'm going to talk about, this, exactly. this you know, oh, yeah. shrimp roll. Right, right. <laughs> it would be great with that. So we've got that wine and a picture of it at our site, Finca El Origen, as we would say here. And it's honestly around $10 a bottle. $10 a bottle. And we give you the information to say at your wine store, or you can shoot them over the picture, or you could see lots of times the uh, Fuchmu shelf talkers are up in all the stores. Absolutely. And you see, oh, there is that wine. Anyway, Mark, I want to talk to you because at this time of year, for this holiday especially, people go to tradition. And Robin, I don't know what your tradition is at your house with the kids and with Steve. You've got a very special oven. I want to talk with you about that and Robin with your tradition. But I wanted to just give an idea for a food, a choice. If you're not doing hamburgers and hot dogs and all that, and you don't want to do the lobster roll, which can be very expensive, or you just say, oh, I always do that. I'd rather go to a place and have it there. Right. It is so easy to make a roll that I make at my house all the time. A corn, shrimp, and bacon roll. On occasion, oh, I add chunks good. of that avocado. Again, the New England flat-sided roll. Mm-hmm. Butter it. This is ahead of making the roll. Butter right. it. Toast the sides in a pan. Yeah. And then set all those rolls aside. I don't do it on the grill because sometimes it gets a little burned. And right. So you can control it in the pan and melt the butter in the pan and then flip both sides, those golden brown buttery, right. set those rolls aside. And then I prepare this salad of, I would fried up some bacon, Always just good. crispy, <laughs> and then some corn off the cob, you know, slice oh, yeah. it off the cob. Fresh corn on the cob. Yep. And then sometimes I'll mix it with a little bit of yogurt and a touch of mayonnaise. People don't want it to be too rich or they don't, can't have it, mayonnaise. Right. Other times I will mix it with regular mayonnaise, salt and pepper, Mm -hmm. a little bit of toss in some chunked avocado, the corn, the shrimp, and sprinkle it with bacon or toss it in. Red onion? A little, that's it. A little red onion. Or sometimes on the top at the very end before serving, just dice up some chives and sprinkle it right across the top. That corn, shrimp, bacon, maybe avocado roll (sighs) is 
It really, it's a delicious that thing. That sounds awesome. It's a delicious <laughs> thing. A, and that rosé would be perfect with it. It would, It would huh? be absolutely perfect. What is it about that. the rosé that goes with everything? It just, it's a very versatile Even wine. Even the steak, it cuts it's, the fat in the yeah, steak. Yeah, it's got acidity, it's got flavor. Yeah. And it, and it hangs on the palate. It just kind of sits out there and just, it refreshes you too because you chill it down. So, Robin, what's your tradition at your house? Is there one thing you do on Fourth of July weekend? You know, if we don't do the chowder, everybody's going to be mad. What, what <laughs> we always smoke something, and then Ooh. we also grill. So we'll smoke ribs usually. With um, Steve makes an awesome barbecue sauce with plum, and oh, nice. yeah, and it's got some heat to it actually oh, too. Yeah. So we'll do like a plum barbecue sauce, and then like a traditional really. You have a smoker. We do. We have a little smoker, and it's the best. And I know. It was it hard to learn to do. I've never smoked anything. Well, there is a little bit of a learning curve. I can't say that the first few times we used it, you know, we would time things and say like, "Oh, this is going to be ready in like eight hours. It's going to smoke for eight hours." And then, you know, there were some times at like ten thirty at night, Steve was still going out <laughs> to the smoker and being frustrated because it wasn't ready yet, or you know, you have to keep the temperature at oh, a certain level. Oh, that's the level. toughest part. Yeah. Yeah. So the temperature. Once you do it a few times, like give yourself a whole summer to learn how to do this right. And yeah. then that next summer, ah, it's just all good. Goody and queen. Oh, okay. oh yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Take it right into the, the fall and the winter, too. I just, right. Now I want ribs. Now I... it's in my mind. Okay. <laughs> I just have to say the word ribs to me. And I think, oh, that's one of the best things. Oh, yeah. now, now, to go to your tradition, Mark Raymond, Mark has a wood fire oven that he's built into his man cave. In the it's a gorgeous man cave, by the way. Go ahead. Tell me what this is. And All right. So it. the traditional Argentine barbecue is a wood-fired grill. They call it a parrilla. It's an open pit with, you know, a chimney and then a grate that actually is on a crank. So it lowers. The grate can go down really low to the coals or start up really high. Did you buy the whole unit? The metal parts I brought back from Argentina. But you can oh. get those online now if you, you look up Parisias and I think there's How a, do you spell that? P-A-R-R-I-L-L-A, Paria. Paria. Parilla. Okay. Parilla. So you've got this, uh, this open pit. You start by making the coals and you, you never cook over the flames. You, you let the wood burn down. So this is wood charcoal? Wood. Or? You could use wood or you can use wood charcoal. Whichever you what prefer. What do you use? I use actual hardwood. I use maple, oak. Sometimes mm. I use a little ash. Sometimes I get lucky and get some apple wood or cherry wood. So you just start a fire. I start a big like campfire in this pit. And the, the grate's really high up. And then I let everything cook down. And I push the push the fire over to the, the back corner. And then I scoop out little by little, like scoop out coals. And I put it onto one side of the grill. You have a device that kind of scrapes it little, forward. A little shovel. Yeah. That I'll pull the, the coals out and I'll lay it into an area where I lower the grill down. And then oh. I start at one level. And as the meat progresses and cooks, I start lowering, lowering, lowering and get it farther down by the fire. And so our typical uh, Argentine barbecue, which we'll do on the 4th of July, will consist of sausage, blood sausage, oh. um, sweetbreads. Sometimes, if we're lucky, we have a little entraño, which is the skirt steak, and then we do beef short ribs. You know, a little bit of all of that, depending on how many people you have. Mm. And the wood flavor 
cooking, you know, meats over a wood fire, what is it? You you get the smoky flavors that you would get sort of like from a smoker, but then you also just get this wonderful cooking texture to the outside, a little crispiness, mm. and then we always like things a little on the juicy side. I prefer my meat's cooked medium, but if you cook things well done here and you do it slowly and over time, which is what they do in Argentina, they love to cook everything well done. But that's the only mm. place I've ever eaten well that's done meat where I actually enjoy it because it's juicy. Mm-hmm. Here, when we cook well done, it's like shoe leather. Yeah. And I'm sure there are people that can do huh. it here, but it's it's just, it's really interesting. I think it has to do with the marbling of the meat down there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's um, something about a steak cooked over a wood fire oh, that so is delicious. unbeatable. I mean, charcoal is a wonderful thing. Sure. But really over wood is, if you haven't tried this, uh, there are restaurants that specialize in this, I would say, encourage you to try it at a restaurant, and then you can decide if you want to do it at home. You certainly can make a wood fire in a Weber grill. Absolutely. You know, so you don't have to have this amazing thing that Mark has at his house. My brother-in-law, Bruce, I had a ranch in Colorado, and he had this old school, you know, with a crank. Uh, oh, sure. Thing. And he would do his steaks. And everybody in town practically would come because Bruce was going to do steaks. He would walk all over the property and gather up cottonwood branches. Ooh. And apparently there is something about cottonwood huh. as a fuel for – a wood fuel for – steaks you're doing yeah. that is astonishing. I had these steaks and they were like fall to your knees delicious. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you, you oh, can now in this that. world we're in order cotton kinds wood. of woods yeah, yeah. online. And so if, if anybody wants cotton wood I'm going to have to look branches, that up, yeah. What about grape vines? Don't people sometimes oh, yeah. tell me how that works? The vineyards, uh, they take in the uh, early spring, I think it is, they go through and they cut everything back. And instead of throwing it away, now you see they're cutting it up and they're using it for fires, using it for fuel, and then now cooking with them, cooking uh-huh. with grapevines, uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That is really cool. I haven't experienced it, but I've seen it on video. I definitely want to try that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I forgot to tell all of you that I wanted to do a fire pit, and that can be an expensive venture. And I thought, wait a minute. I don't even know if, if the fire pit's going to be my thing. Right. So <laughs> I want to try it. I thought, what could I do? I bought a Weber. There you go. Kind of a decent size one. Took the legs right off. Set it on a you know a pad of bricks. Yeah. Put bricks all around it, and oh threw wood into it. Put chairs all around in a circle, and there you go. I have an instant fire pit. <laughs> there you, you go. Have, and you know how the you and hacked you know, one. I hacked one. Yeah, <laughs> and you know how the ash comes out the bottom and everything. It's perfect. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was like well nine, done. Ninety nine dollars. I love it. A few, a few bucks for the bricks. Yeah. <laughs> Bricks are cheap. Come on. Yeah. That is hysterical. So, so on a cool night, we're all set. Or on a real mosquito-y night, you know. Yeah. Got, it's just pretty to look at. It's it's about like 4,000 degrees, not exactly what you want to do. But if you want one for when it starts to get cooler. I love it. It's yeah. really, it's I a great way it. to try to see if you like it. Cool um, idea. So what's your dessert, go-to dessert for 4th Oof. of July? Well, my wife makes an amazing flan. Break out the dulce de leche and whipped cream and oh. put it right on top of oh. there. And, oh, it's perfect. What's the secret to her flan? 
you know? I, well, it's it, she puts like, it in the double I boiler. Like I make, yeah. That sounded I've just watched, like Jiminy Glick. <laughs> I watched the secret I've watched, to her blog. I watch her a lot, but I never got it. No, she um <laughs> she puts it in the double boiler. She uses eggs. Sometimes she'll put cream cheese into it, and that just makes it a little bit more fluffy. Wow. Good stuff. A lot of French chefs are discovering that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they are. Asking, <laughs> asking people to bring over suitcases of it so really? they can use it. Yeah, there's no cream cheese in France. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, they bring the uh, Philadelphia, they call Philadelphia. it. Philadelphia. That's Philadelphia. what they call it in Argentina. They call it Philadelphia. <laughs> like it's like, a delicacy. <laughs> that's cream cheese. Yeah, but it's Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of my favorite things on 4th of July is potato salad. And I just love to do a BLT potato salad. Oh, yeah. Where I use iceberg lettuce and chop it up and because it's got a real body to it and crunch to it. Right, right. Do the regular potatoes with a regular mayonnaise, salt and pepper. And then I throw in tons and tons of crumbled up crisp bacon <sighs> that I've, you know, made. We love bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have to make at least we a, do love bacon. Uh, and then cherry tomatoes cut in half. Oh, that's so awesome. it's a real BLT potato salad, and and then uh, you could do red potatoes or whatever potatoes you normally like in your potato yeah. salad. And so you you take bites of the you know what's coming up in the fork is a piece of potato and the uh, oh, salt and pepper mayonnaise and a little bit of tom- it's cherry tomato too. and a lot of bacon. And if you want, you can put in some red onion. Because you know how potato yeah, salad yeah. needs a little bit of red onion? Yeah. yeah. So I, put, I put red onion on my BLT. So have some fun. Yeah. You do? Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, wow. I I've never done that. I love red onion on everything. Mary yeah. doesn't love it, but... No. <laughs> she doesn't love no, not putting the onions care. on a BLT, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> well, don't forget, too, at my house, to get back to the dessert idea just for a second, on 4th of July, you have to have s'mores. I mean, oh, my yeah. kids, that's what they look forward to. They don't even care so much about the ribs. They're just <laughs> eating it to get to the s'mores. Yeah, get me to the s'mores. Where's yes. your fire? Where do, we you... set up a little fire pit in the backyard. <gasps> yep. You could yep. your like grill. sit there. Oh, yeah. As soon as the sun goes down, the fire goes up. You know, you could use a hibachi. Absolutely. Yeah. Make a little wood fire pit. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites, the hibachi. The hibachi is you the best. You put it in the back of the car. Back of the you car. You take it to the to beach. To the beach. Yeah. Remember the little oh. parking places that you would have? Oh, yeah. That you would pull off on the side of the yes. road on the way to the beach. Yeah. yeah. I had oh a hibachi God. in my car forever. It's a totally And the funny thing was you'd have to sit there and you'd have to wait for it to cool down before yeah. you could actually drive away. Oh, I know. <laughs> so and the conversations, you'd play hide and seek with your brothers and sisters. People come wandering over. Oh, yeah. When you're on the beach. You know, Good what are you stuff. doing? We're making a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some wine. We have more 4th of July celebration coming your way here on the Food Schmooze. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers. And for on-demand podcast delivery of this show every week, go to foodschmooze.org. And we'll be right back.
listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2017. This is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken. And to hear this show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. Talk with us on Facebook, too. Search Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. All right. My buddies are here, as you know, Alex Province, Chris Prosperi, Mark Raymond, and Robin Doyen Aiken. We're going kind of crazy on Fourth of July stuff. Of course, it, all the weekends around that count, too. We did a rosé earlier. Can we get into the other $10 winner, Carolina Chardonnay. Yeah, the Santa Carolina Chardonnay. It's wonderful. Apple and pear notes to it. It's crisp. It's refreshing. It does have a little touch of oak, so it does have that little sort of smokiness on the finish mm-hmm. and in the nose. Good for grilling. It's wonderful. With We talk about lobster rolls and things that have butter and, mm-hmm. and grilling to them. I just I, I think it's a great pairing. It's really refreshing, too. For $10, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it can happen that you've got a $10 bottle of wine or under, mm-hmm. and to be honest, it will be junk wine what they've done at the vineyard to add to the wine is a junk it's not healthy we shouldn't have it in our bodies Mm -hmm. but for some of these places that make wine in other countries i mean i'm not saying every american producer does that that's not the case no but you do have to think about it and so a good rule of thumb is when it's really low price i start looking outside the country because they have rules that you can't do this and the land in chile is so perfect for growing grapes but so inexpensive Instead of being like, you know, a zillion dollars for an acre of Napa land, you know, Chile is beautiful, pristine land, and it's affordable. So these wineries from around the world are going there. They use state-of-the-art technology and producing really clean, wholesome wine that's delicious. Delicious to drink, yeah. Absolutely. Great value. And it's hand-harvested. Hand-harvested, still family-owned winery. The one thing I will say about this wine, this is a good wine to pair with many things it has a kind of broad profile to it. You heard Mark talk about a little bit of oak, a nice acidity, and yet a little touch of butter. Sometimes these Chardonnays are in one direction or the other. <laughs> right. And so they go with a particular thing, the lobster roll, an actual mm. lobster because it matches the butter. This one has a broad personality. More versatile. It's approachable. So you could just stand around and drink it because it's a lovely thing (laughs) to do. And you make an interesting point. Sometimes you can taste a wine and it just seems out of balance. It's either too much fruit, too much acidity. It becomes an acquired taste for people. This is a wine that just has great balance all the way through. Yeah. It's just got a little bit of touch of everything. In when you're flavor. doing a party, you have to get wines that everybody's going to like. It's fun to have special wines for special friends, but when you're doing a big group of people, you're in plastic cups, you're outside, mm-hmm. right. people are talking, you know, they're drinking. It's not the time for something super special that 
Because you're going to leave and you're going to find the cups half full later around. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. You need a broad appeal wine. You yeah, need group-friendly yeah. wines yeah. for sure. Yeah, I think that's the hardest <laughs> thing sometimes is to find something that everyone will like. Right? Yeah. Well, that's it. That's Neutral it. and nice. Yeah. So Not if, too expensive. If, if you go to our website, you will see this wine. You'll see the label. Our remarks about the wine, a picture of the label, you could call up the wine store and make sure it's on the shelf. And if it's not, so go to the distributor, look it up in the book, and they should have it to you within 24 hours, Mark. Is Absolutely, that? yeah. Very good. Can we do one mm. more wine thing? So many years ago when we first started the Food Schmooze, a man called in and mm. he said, I have a wonderful tradition that comes from my family. And he was Portuguese. Okay. And he said, we pour a bottle of cava, Spanish sparkling wine, and it's not expensive anyway. And good, right. though. Cava's are great. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah, Love so cava. Intense bubbles, mm. beautiful sparkling wine. And he said, you just fill this big stainless steel bowl up with your favorite fruits. You just chop it all up. Like strawberries. Put it in there. Mm -hmm. Blueberries, strawberries. Mm -hmm. Put it all in, and then you pour in a bottle Ooh. of this sparkling cava. And then he said, you put a plastic wrap over the top of the bowl and stick it in the refrigerator. It stays in there overnight. Mm -hmm. Now the fruit is macerating. It yeah. is, mm. you know, nice. absorbing the alcohol, almost yeah. cooking in a way and getting that beautiful texture. Then the next day for your party, you pull it out. And he said you can serve it with a ladle as bowls of soup that are a little wonderful because they've got that kava. And the fruit is just luscious, or you could scoop it over ice cream or Ooh, cake. So refreshing. Yeah. It's a tradition in Galicia, well, throughout the north coast of Spain. So if you took that cava and then you blended it with a little lemon sorbet and a dash of cream, you'd make like this cava milkshake. And at the end of dinners, that's tradition. So you have this like flute with this creamy cava really? milkshake. That's mm. your dessert. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's you cool. know, it's refreshing when you're like full. There's always room for oh, yeah. kava. <laughs> exactly. In Argentina, what, what they'll do is they'll make a thing called clerico, and it's mm. basically a white sangria. So they'll take that fruit salad that's been marinating overnight. Fruit salad, that's good. <laughs> and they'll put a little bit into a glass and then fill it up with more sparkling wine. Brighten so it, it oh. brightens it up a little bit more, and you've got a drink with some wonderful oh. pieces mm. of fruit in there. Wow, mm. that's sangria. Yeah. I would oh, even good add fresh drinks. fruit on the second round. So strain out that fruit and use it for something and then put the fresh kava in with fresh pretty fruit, hmm. less macerated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why, why yeah. would you not want the fruit that's been uh, poaching overnight in the kava? It'll taste great and be soft, but it'll lose some of its color. And yeah. then if you put mm -hmm. like a fresh cut cubed apples or something, it'll they'll be white and Brighten pretty. Up. So you want to add to them. That's what I would a do. A mixture of, hmm, it's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, so you have so the crunch. I don't, I'm not sure we are done with lobster rolls. I think can because it's the fourth. Can you ever be? How wed are we, all of us, how wed are we to the traditional? The simple Ooh. lobster roll, either hot or cold. Celery with mayonnaise. With the salt, celery, onions. Lots of lemon. Mm. See, I'm always, I've always been a hot butter. Yeah, I'm a hot butter Hot guy. buttered roll. I'm on Mark's side on this one. I can't do the mayonnaise cold one. Yeah, just I mean, the, I can do it. I love lobster. I, just, I don't like either it. Way. I like the hot, I'm a hot butter guy. 
Yeah. Okay. That's just, that's oh, my favorite. With a little lemon squeezed on oh, top. Oh yeah. I want a lot of lemon. Or maybe yeah. like some sea some uh, crispy shallots sprinkled oh. over the top. Now, See now we're we getting go. away from here the traditional. Yeah. See this is what's interesting. Now I'm dressing it up. I like to hear how people get creative with lobster mm-hmm. rolls too, because everyone knows how to do a classic. Oh yeah. How do you, so so now you're adding crispy shallots? shallots oh yeah. On top of your little lobster crunchy roll. on top of that, and oh, oh. yeah. This is oh. on the warm one. This is on the hot buttered. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's We'll call that the hot butter. And you're you're crisping up the shallots in butter, I'm guessing? Absolutely. You no, know, those crispy shallots would also be terrific on the cold lobster roll that I like. I think they would. I think you, know, you could it would do be that. A little Absolutely. nice texture yeah. on there. Mm. You so know, we, when it's cold, I consider it a lobster salad. Yes. When it's hot, I consider it a lobster roll. That's fair. That's, that's, that's the distinction yeah. for me. That's right. Lobster salad is on like yeah. a bed of lettuce yeah. or something. Yeah. Or it could yeah. be in a roll. Yeah. It could be in a roll. Lobster salad sandwich. I love the classic yeah. because it's so good. However, I like to fool around. So yeah. I like to do the cold lobster roll, you know, with the mayonnaise and the salt and the pepper. And sometimes I don't even put celery in. Mm-hmm. But I do at the end like to sprinkle on crumbled bacon mm-hmm. yeah. on the top. <laughs> you know, What's not good with And bacon? sometimes I like to put fresh corn kernels yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. into the salad. Oh, yeah. Oh, into the mayonnaise. Salad. And I'll tell you what, you take some fresh corn off the cob yeah. and you put that in with the hot buttered lobster <laughs> yeah. roll. Now oh. you, you almost got yourself a little lamb bake going on there. What Robin was <laughs> yeah. saying yeah. without the bread, imagine taking just an iceberg lettuce leaf and making like a little burrito. Yeah, maybe yeah. with like an Asian sort of roll out of it. Oh, right? yeah. Avocado. That's avocado a good idea. In so there. it's the salad. Mm-hmm. It's healthy. No carbohydrates. Yeah. A summer roll. A summer yeah. roll. Okay. Yeah. And that's gluten-free. Sure. Yeah. Am, am I the only one that leaf? likes to like not make the lobster roll? Like, you like to go to a place. Yeah. There's, what's the one at the end of the dock in Clinton? Yeah. Uh, down like a little side street. He's Italian or something? It is by far it's, just sitting there. It's on Liberty Street. Yes, yeah, smelling the water. Yes, yes. And it's just this outside shack, right? It's not much. Yeah. But he's got boy. a little he's got a little tent now. Yeah. When he grows things in his garden, it, it, you should hear him talk. You just want to weep. It's like a movie. So he is so particular about how he makes the lobster roll, mm. how the butter he must be cooked it, right? in the pan. He clarifies the butter. He mm-hmm. said, oh, no, no, we do not just melt butter and put it. He said, that's not how it's done. He said, you must have the finest butter. When you put this on the roll, I mean, this is and it guy is here. so good. <laughs> and maybe it's not just the lobster roll; maybe it's the place too, right? Because you're sitting oh, right on the wall. Plastic, oh, yeah. Plastic chairs, plastic chairs. Yeah, and it's always busy. You're oh, always yeah. waiting a couple minutes to get in there to get a but table. But you get or, to bring your own wine, yeah, or, or beer, beer, or, or yep. lemonade, whatever yep. you make. Yeah. You can even bring sides if you yeah. want. He mm-hmm. offers some sides, but you can bring your own. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing to do. Is anyone making sunti? Does anyone ever still make sunti? We used to have as a kid it used to be in a jar yeah, sitting on, on the, the porch. front porch i don't know i, I, I don't think i see it. it that much anymore it's right it's gone the way of sun in yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so does anybody go out for this italian place we're talking about mm. in clinton down by the dock he also cooks sausage and peppers oh yeah okay. and will make yeah. you because oh, that's, that's kind of a holiday yep for your non non-seafood eaters i usually that's order that too. at some fair mm-hmm. You know, the sausage and peppers on that grill for 100 years, just fantastic. The bread soaks it all up. Sometimes it's so good. A little provolone cheese on it. You just have to go to the gym for two two days after. (laughs) 
Oh, Summer, go walk on the beach. Oh, the yeah, price, go the bread is right? just, just absorb the fat. The, no, just go walk on the beach. <laughs> yeah. How about a batch of whole belly clams? Ah, Perfect yeah. for this I'm time a big of year. Clam Fourth fan. of July. Yeah. I with, love with clam sauce. If they're nice enough, you just squeeze a fresh lemon on them can and I, go at it. Can I do something right now, now that you have raised this issue? I'd like us to have conversation with you as you're listening to this about where you think the best clams are. Listen, if you want to include the Cape, please do. You know, if there's some place in New York City, you want to include that. The North Fork or South Fork of Long Island, Massachusetts, Block wherever Island. it might be. The best clams you have mm. ever had, fried clams, we would like to know on Facebook. Mm. So here's our address, Faith Middleton Fuchmoose. And we'll share some of ours, too. I know in my family we have great debates on the Cape in the summer about you oh, know which place we're going to go to. And Are you going to get a license? Did who? you already get a license? No. A climbing to get license? your own. <laughs> Alex knows that I paid three hundred dollars <laughs> for for a clam for, for one resident. Even I got one bucket of clams. <laughs> I got one bucket of clams. It was most expensive clams ever on earth. <laughs> um, but I felt very um, nautical. Yeah, I think like a real. I feel like we should go out as a group. I think so. That's a really good idea. We could do that. We could definitely do that. Let's go clamming. Let's go clamming. Yeah, absolutely. We just got to find the right spot. Hmm. I got a funny feeling someone would give us some guidance. (laughs) The right spot. (laughs) Well, Clinton. There's some good places in Clinton. Oh yeah, and Noank for Mm. sure. Yeah, for the quahogs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Those are good. Chewy, but they're good. Mm. Stuffies make stuffed clams. Oh, I love. I love stuffed clams. Oh, a little chorizo. But you have to make them yourself. Uh, yeah. The ones you buy too much in places. Breading. Oh, and too much sodium. They just, they're they loaded with they sodium. How about Casino? It. Does anyone remember oh, that loves one? Oh, loves those. Little casino. bacon on, one little yeah. piece yeah. of bacon yeah. on top, broiled. Who yeah. doesn't oh. love that? I don't Ford's see makes, it that much anymore. Ford's makes really? them. Yeah, Mac orders it every time. Where's Ford's? In knowing, in knowing, yeah. see? see, I gotta find these places. Because oh, I you we'll had go clam- together. I haven't oh, ca- no. had clams casino in a restaurant in years. So old. It school. used to be every restaurant had them. Delicious. It's the bacon it's, on top. It is heaven on earth. We did make them. That goes with using our broiler. Absolutely. Remember, in the winter we were using our broiler. That goes with it. I tell you, my mom's rice and clams is still the best clam dish I've ever had. I, I, love I can it. never recreate it like she can. It's rice and clam broth and paella. I think right? I've put the recipe up yeah. once before, but she can just they make it in earthenware classically. You know, like yeah, stoneware yeah. you yeah, find yeah. in Spain or oh, Portugal. Will and the she rice make is so it clean. For us? I think mine's good, but hers is it's incredible. That'd be yeah. a good yeah. summer Seriously. thing. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. We'll Honestly, ask. Mom, I mean, are you listening? We need to try yeah. that. Uh, this is a mom, we, Alex's mom, request. we need to yeah we need we clams. definitely need to try that. Mrs. Province is a formal request. We would love for you to Come in with that dish. I've been hearing about this for so, so long. So good. This is so oh, oh, can't yeah. wait. There's so many things. See, mm. holiday weekend. Summer. It's so much fun. Okay. The water's warm. Mm. Fish mm-hmm. are jumping. Snappers are on their way. Yeah. You I'm buy the small. Yeah, you buy, get the small ones whole. Yeah. You get them already cleaned. Yeah. And then you just take a knife and slice down on the outside. Yeah. Uh, this is whole. And then I just take a little ginger and scallion and garlic and I put it in those slits. Oh, like Asian. I th- yeah, and I throw it in a bowl with some lime juice and some Sweet. cilantro and a little bit of oil and you let it sit in there for a little bit and then I throw them on the grill oh. whole. Oh, and, oh my man. God. It's just So these heaven. are the snapper blues? Yeah, the small ones, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. The and just baby the little ones. baby ones. And, oh my God, they're heaven. Oh, and then you just pick, then you just pick them. Use your hands. You, you don't get even, them at the fish market. Yeah, you, you get them at the 
stuff. No, I'm not a big fisherman, but yeah. They're easy to yeah. catch. Yeah. Then you should catch them I'll and bring them, them to I'll us. Bring them in. All yeah. right. I'll cook them. It's a deal. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, this was well, really fun. Well, we've got fun. the menu planned out for the summer, don't we? Oh. Yeah, we do. <laughs> That's the thing. We say it's for Fourth of July, but really it can be for any weekend. All summer long. All the time. <laughs> exactly. All right. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3. Our slogan, never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Everybody eats when they come to mind.